Is it too soon to talk about how your New Year's resolutions are going? Have they fizzled out? <laughs> how, are, how are your plans? Are they pressing on, pressing forward? Well, don't, don't feel defeated. Because this, God's work isn't done. Even though the flesh fails, right? Here's our text. I want to get right into it today. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25. Having purified your souls, oh, that's beautiful, by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. <laughs> Since I'm cutting to the chase, here's, here's the message for today. The flesh fails, but the work of God begun in you will not fail. The word of Jesus is a different kind of seed. It's imperishable. It's eternal. You're with Jesus now. You've been born again through the word of God, and that word is the gospel, the evangel, the good news that, that Jesus, the resurrected Messiah of Israel, is the true Lord of the world. And it's obedience to Jesus as king that rebuilds your life on a firm foundation. He who hears my words, says Jesus, and puts them into action is like the person who builds their house on a storm-proof, quake-proof, flood-proof foundation. Though the opposite is also true for those who merely hear the word but do not obey. But we're not those people, right? Our, our obedience is marked first and foremost by our love for one another, which is sincere, vigorous, intense, from a pure heart. Okay, I've told you the whole sermon now. So you can either shut it off or let's just process it together. Okay, back to 1 Peter 1, and we'll just do the first two verses. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Now, Peter, you know, he had friends, right? He had, he had really good friends. One of them was John. He spent most of his time with Peter, James, and John together with Jesus. Just a great group of guys. But John writes this about love. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world 
that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Isn't that amazing to hear what John's perspective on love is and how how if you're not loving, you, you don't know God. If you don't have love, you don't know God. Love for one another is the mark of a, of a Christian. Some people might say, oh, I, I love Jesus. I just don't love his people or his church or his bride. Well, then I don't think you love Jesus. I don't think you know Jesus. These statements about love come right after John has written about how the world tries to redefine love and redirect love. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. See, it's a, it's a different kind of love. We're, we're being rebuilt different now, aren't we? Our focus isn't on what is passing away, but, but what is being built up to withstand the world. Our hope in Jesus is secure. And we're not passing away. We're pressing on toward the goal of kingdom come in our lives and and also for creation church we're becoming like jesus and helping each other to become like jesus as we live in the way of jesus together amen church service to jesus is freedom slavery to jesus is freedom because, because this is life that is truly life. When we obey Jesus, when we ask his kingdom to come, we submit to his kingdom. We are living in his kingdom and trusting that, that he is good and he is the only source of life. So service to Jesus becomes freedom. As John wrote, in, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And if service to Jesus is freedom because he is king and he's a good king, pure love is his command. Pure love. Obedience to the truth implies a sincere brotherly love, says Peter. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Now, at ICC, we've been operating on a definition of love that I'll remind you of. It includes these concepts of obedience to Jesus, of Christ-likeness, because we are committed to your Christ-likeness and mine as well, because that's what love does. You've, you've heard it said that just love is love. Well, no, God is love, right? <laughs> that's twisted if you think you can just define love however you want. And if, if I define it however I want, it means the same thing that however you define love 
is and uh, what other people say is the same thing as what I mean. No, 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 that doesn't make any sense. This is what God says love is and what he does for us to show us how he loves us. Uh, I lean on Scott McKnight for how he patterns a definition of love after what Jesus has done. Love is a rugged, affective commitment to be with and for another person unto Christ-likeness. Let me say it again. Love is an affective, rugged commitment to be with and for another person unto Christ-likeness. That's obedient, suffering, purposeful love. Scott McKnight talks about this. He says, the cross evokes humiliating rejection as the way of life. It's the ultimate form of withness, forness, and untoness. Do you catch that? With a person, for a person, unto Christ's likeness. He goes on, Jesus identifies so fully with his followers, with God's people, that he enters Jerusalem for them, enters into their humiliation, their sinfulness, their death, unto a new creation resurrection. He takes upon himself the Roman curse against Jerusalem's powers and evacuated it of its power. Instead of overturning violence with violence, Jesus' path is the way of suffering that overcomes violence. That's the way of Jesus. That's The door is over there. I mean, you want to be with Jesus? Do you want his suffering to pay for your glory, well, then it's the way of suffering. This new definition of love has, has affection, right? Care. Um, presence. That's the withness. I'm with you. Advocacy. Forness. I'm, I'm, I'm for you. Direction. Untoness. Like, where is this going? And durability. Love is an rugged, affective commitment to be with another person, for another person, unto Christ-likeness. If we back up this definition, you could maybe understand it even more. No one's going to be interested in your helping them become like Christ unless they know you are for them. And they're not going to know you're for them unless you've been with them. And, and they don't know you're with them unless you care. Right? That's the affection. So the rugged, affective commitment to be with another person, for another person, unto Christ-likeness. That's, that's our example. Love like that is Jesus' example and our command. Peter goes on. This is why. He says, For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word, he defines it for us, is the good news, the evangel that was preached to you. The word of the Lord remains forever. And Peter says the word is the gospel preached. It's the announcement that the resurrected Messiah of Israel is the rightful Lord of the world. Okay? This is the message that continues to go forward in our world, and it changes lives. It brings the spiritually dead to life through obedience to the message. Do you put your trust in that announcement, that gospel? Now, your Bible might have a note attached to it or, or a style that shows that this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 40. 
It's such a pivotal passage for Jewish exiles. And, and Peter's saying this is the same message that's here to stay for the exiles he's preaching to in the region of Asia Minor. In Isaiah 40, we, we pick up Yahweh is saying to his counsel, to his aides, to anybody listening, to prophets who are listening in. Uh, that he wants an urgent message sent by these aides, these messengers, his prophets, his angels. Comfort, comfort my people, says God. Isn't it cool? I, I think it's amazing. Isaiah and Peter have the same message, which means that Peter sees Jesus as the fulfillment of the message of Isaiah, all his exiles and oppressed people. They need to hear the contrast between the, the earthly things that fade and the glory of God through his word. And for Peter, it's now becoming clear. This is the incorruptible hope of the Christian inheritance. <laughs> so, church, what are you facing down right now because you cling to this hope of this announcement? Will your friends abandon you? It may be. Will your job advancement halt? Peter would say to his exiles, that's very likely that's going to happen. Will your neighbors think you're weird? Probably. But Yahweh has a word for the exiled and oppressed people of God. For then and for now. And it's a word of reassuring comfort. I'm just going to read a few of those verses from Isaiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the word of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And, and Peter is saying that through our trust in Jesus, as the resurrected Messiah of Israel, and therefore true Lord of the world, we become the people of God. Behold your God. The people of God, the people of the God of comfort with good news now and forever. We live out this love sincerely, purely for our family that shames the world for its version of flighty, failing love. Church, our blood-bought, spirit-filled love puts the world on its heels. Our rugged, affective commitment to be with and for another person unto Christ's likeness will set the stage for revival in our city. 
And this is not about your personal strength, but about what God will do through you, as I said at the beginning. Remember how we started. The flesh fails, but the work of God begun in you will not fail. The word of Jesus is a different kind of seed, imperishable, eternal, and you're with Jesus now. You've been born again through the word of God, and that word is the gospel, the evangel, the announcement that Jesus, say it with me, the resurrected Messiah of Israel is the true Lord of the world. And it's obedience to Jesus as king. Listen, church, it's obedience to Jesus as king that rebuilds your life on the firm foundation. He who hears my words, says Jesus, and puts them into action is like the person who builds their house on a storm-proof, quake-proof, flood-proof foundation. Though the opposite is also true for those who merely hear the word but do not obey. But we're not those people, right? Our obedience is marked first and foremost by our love for one another, which is sincere, vigorous, intense, and from a pure heart. So church, I just close with this. What is the Spirit telling you to do with this? What do you need to do to obey today? And how can we help you obey?